0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. So, Second Timothy chapter 1 and verses 1 to 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as day and night I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lewis, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also." For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through, on, through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit God gave does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I was always a bit nervous having to preach with a, a Bible college lecturer sitting in the congregation. Uh, I remember a story of a pastor who was driving home uh, and after a Sunday service and was looking quite distressed and depressed. Uh, and his wife said, what's wrong? And he was like, well, I just don't think the sermon went really well. And she said, oh, what do you mean? That There was that one guy who was reduced to tears during your sermon. And he said, I know, that was my Bible college lecturer. Laughter Well, it's a new year, 2020, and a whole new decade that's starting, and, and with a new year comes new challenges. A new challenge for us as a church as we look at taking on the food bank and developing the work of the food bank, a new uh, challenge for, for Misha, she starts her placement here, a new challenge for the Bible College as they look at restructuring leadership and presenting training in a whole new way. New year, new decade, new challenges and i believe in this new year and in this new decade god is calling us as individuals and as a church to go and make a difference for the kingdom of god you see we have all been commissioned to go and make disciples to love people in the same way that jesus loved us to Look after the poor and the sick and the oppressed to help the orphan and the widow and the other outcasts in our society to feed the hungry. We've all been called to go and make a difference for the kingdom of God. What a privilege. What an honor. Yet if we're honest, we have to admit that so often we simply do nothing. We make all kinds of excuses, but what we actually are doing is we are disobeying God because God has called us to go. But why? Why is it that so often we simply do nothing? Well, it varies from person to person, but let me make the suggestion that one of the reasons why we sometimes simply do nothing is because we're held back by a spirit of timidity. We're afraid that we would fail. We're afraid that we won't be good enough. We're afraid about what other people might think of us. You see, when you step out in faith, it's always risky. When you share your faith with someone, it's risky. When you share a word of prophecy or you pray for healing, it's risky. When you start to, to run a food bank and try to develop a food bank, it's risky, just as it was risky when we employed a children's worker, and we only had two children. Whenever you step out in faith, it's risky. And so so often we are held back by a spirit of timidity. And so today we're going to be looking at how to overcome a spirit of timidity. Now just to give you some a background to Second Timothy, it's, it's in the year around AD 66 or 67 and the Roman Emperor Nero is intensely persecuting the church. So Christians have a choice to either leave their faith or experience intense persecution of imprisonment public torture and murder as a result of this persecution paul this great leader in the early church and apostle of jesus to the gentiles finds himself in a roman prison in rome expecting to be executed we know this because he says in second timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Paul, this great leader in the early church, was facing death alone in a cold Roman prison. And therefore, he's passing the, the torch of leadership onto the next generation, and he's encouraging Timothy to become the next leader in the early church. But... But Timothy has been held back by a spirit of timidity. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this letter in order to encourage Timothy to overcome a spirit of timidity and to become what God has called him to be the next leader in the early church. Why did Timothy have a spirit of timidity? Well, for one, he felt he was too young. We know this because in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul writes, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Timothy was relatively young within that culture to be a leader within the church. And so he felt intimidated. And we often feel intimidated because we're too young or or we lack experience or, or because we haven't been a Christian for long enough? Or even conversely, because we might feel, oh, we're too old. And so we feel intimidated. Secondly, he felt he lacked the gift in. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 6, For this reason, I reman, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. He he has to fan into flame. That implies that his gifting for leadership has not yet been developed. He still needs to develop his leadership gifting. And so he feels intimidated. And and sometimes we feel intimidated because we're not these multi-gifted, super-talented Billy Grahams. And then thirdly, he must have felt very fearful of people. Paul was in prison and waiting to be executed because he was the church leader. Now Timothy is being asked to take Paul's place. He must have felt intimidated, yes? It's kind of like if I come up to you and I say, "Uh, I'm leading, and I would like you to become the pastor. And you say, well well, why are you leaving, Mike? And i say, well, the police have found me guilty of being the pastor, and they're going to execute me in the morning. (laughs) You might just feel a tad nervous about becoming the next pastor. I can remember a time in my life when I felt extremely intimidated. I was about 22, and I just started being the youth pastor, the youth worker at First City Baptist Church. And uh, I had preached once or twice in the evening service when it was a youth service. And although I was quite nervous, it had gone quite well. It was at that point they asked me to go and speak to preach at an old age home. So I arrived at this old age home to discover all the old ladies already in the, the, their little chapel. They all taken the seats and they were just looking at the pulpit. Not knowing what to do and expecting that there would have been someone there to greet me and welcome me and explain to me what I needed to do, I immediately went and took a seat in the back row. At this point, one of the old ladies started beckoning to me to, to go up to the front. I very reluctantly got up and started walking down the aisle to the front, not knowing what I was going to do when I got there. Luckily for me, one of the old ladies shouted, there's, a, there's an order of service on the lectern. It was at that point I discovered I wasn't just going to be preaching, but I was going to be leading the whole service, leading the singing, doing the prayers of intercession, doing the readings of preaching, the whole works. Only help I was going to get was there was one old lady on the piano, and there was this list of the order of service that had the, the list of hymns that we had to sing and a list of names of people that I had to pray for. I felt really intimidated. I felt way out of my depth. Uh, I didn't really know what to do, but I thought I would start with a welcome. It was the first thing on the order of service. Uh, so I started doing the welcome, at which point one of the old ladies in the back row yelled, Speak up! I can't hear you! I'm still trying to you know, lead the service. Two of the old ladies near the front started talking. Now, because they were hard of hearing, they would speak very loud, I could hear everything they were saying. Don't you think he's a bit young to be preaching? <laughs> oh, yes, very young. <laughs> I felt so intimidated. I felt completely out of my depth. I felt I was too young. I felt too inexperienced. I felt I lacked gifting because I'm not really good at leaning singing. And trying to lead here... And then all of a sudden, the lady right at the back yells again, I still can't hear you. In which case, these two old ladies at the front turn around and yell, that's because you're deaf. (laughs) (laughs) I felt extremely intimidated with those old ladies. But the good news is, God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and a love and self-discipline. So how do we overcome a spirit of timidity? Well, firstly, we discover in this passage we need a support group. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 3 to 4, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And what we discover over here is, firstly, that Paul is praying for Timothy day and night. And secondly, Timothy is, is happy to cry in front of Paul. They have a very open and honest relationship. And if we want to overcome a spirit of timidity, we need to be in a group that we can be very open and honest with, where we can confide in, and whom they can be praying for us. And that's why we encourage everyone to be in small groups, to be in life groups, so that people can be in prayer support of each other. Secondly, we need to realize that sincere faith is the only qualification. In verse 5, Paul says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith. God called Timothy because he had sincere faith, not because of his experience or his gifting. Or or his age? God's not interested in that. The only thing God's interested in and the only qualification is do you have sincere faith? And if you have sincere faith, then you are qualified to go and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Thirdly, we need to realize that God has equipped us. In verse 6, Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. The gift of God is referring to a very special spiritual gifting that God has freely and graciously given to Timothy in order to equip him and enable him to, for ministry. And in the same way, God has supernaturally gifted us and equipped us for the task he has called us to. But when it says, you need to fan into flame... That means this gifting is just like a spark that we need to develop. We need to enhance it and realize it and develop it. And the way you develop it is by exercising it. That's why Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, do not neglect your gift. See, you either use it or you lose it. The way you develop your gifting is by using it. So God has gifted us, and now we have the responsibility to step out in faith and exercise our gift and develop our gift. You see, the first time you preach, it's not going to be perfect. The first time you share your faith or or share a word of prophecy or pray for healing, it's not going to be perfect. The the first time you you step out in faith to do a new task for God, you're not going to get everything right, and, and you're probably going to feel quite intimidated And that's okay, because you still got to develop your gifting. So God has gifted us. He has equipped us. Now we need to step out in faith and exercise that gift and develop it. And then fourthly, we need to trust in the power of God. In verse 7, Paul says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. So often we limit God to what God can do in our lives. We limit God to what we believe God can do through us. You see, we will say, "Oh, I believe God can do that through through Paul or Craig, but but not through me." Uh, There's a story of, of a guy who was walking along Nahoon Beach in my hometown, and as he was walking along, he was a tourist. And he noticed uh, someone fishing on the beach, and he was fishing off the rocks, and so he was quite intrigued. And as he was walking along, he was watching this guy fishing. And it wasn't long before this guy caught a fish, and the rod was you know, bent over, and the guy was reeling it in, and he reeled up this really big fish, and he held up the fish. And then he measured the fish, and, and then he threw the fish back into the sea. The tourist was quite surprised, and why would he throw the fish Anyhow, he carried on walking. A little while later, the fisherman had caught another fish, but this time the rod was like really bent over, and the guy was struggling to reel in the fish, and eventually he pulled up this really, really big fish, and he measured it, and then he threw the fish back into the sea. This tourist was still really confused by this, but he carried on walking. Eventually, he got to the end of the beach. He was just about to go home. He had one last look at the fisherman, and once again, the fisherman had caught a fish. But this time, the rod was hardly bent over. He easily reeled it up, and up came this little fish. He measured the fish, and then he threw the fish into his bucket. The tourist was so confused. He just had to know, why was this fisherman throwing away the big fish and keeping the little fish? So he went up to the fisherman. He said, excuse me, Mr. Fisherman. Yes, Mr. Taurus, said the fisherman. And he said, Can you tell me why are you throwing away the big fish and yet keeping the little fish? Oh, said the fisherman. That's because my frying pan is only 12 centimeters in diameter and the big fish won't fit. And we do the same with God. God wants to give you this massive blue whale. And we go like, no, no, no. God, that God, that won't fit my frying pan. My frying pan's only 12 centimeters in diameter. And just as the fisherman was limiting the size of his catch to the size of his frying pan, we limit what God can do to what we believe God can do through us. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why mustn't we lean on our own understanding? Because if we lean on our own understanding, we will limit God to what we believe He's able to do through us. Instead, we need to trust the Lord with all our heart, for He has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. And then fifthly, we need to be moved by love. Verse 7 says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love. What I believe the Bible is suggesting over here is that the opposite of love is not only hate. The opposite of love is also a spirit of timidity because fear will prevent us from loving people. Fear will prevent us from doing good things for other people. And love, by definition, is an action. It's doing good things for other people. Now we all know John chapter 3 and verse 16, but how many of us know one John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 and 18? This is what it says. This is how we know what love is. Christ, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children. Let us not love with words and tongue, but with actions and in truth. When you are moved by a spirit of love, it will overcome a spirit of timidity. It will overcome a spirit of fear, and it will move you to action, even if it costs you your life. There's a story of of a a monk from the southern parts of France who went to Rome to take in the splendors of the holy city. When he arrived there, he was caught up in a crowd making their way to the Colosseum. He had no idea what the entertainment of the day involved, but when he arrived, he soon discovered when the two gladiators took their place on the Colosseum floor, they drew their swords and saluted the two to Caesar and shouted, we who are about to die, salute thee. When he realized that they were going to fight each other to the death, he was so moved by a spirit of love that he couldn't bear to watch them being forced to kill each other. He was so moved by a spirit of love that it overcame a spirit of timidity. He didn't care what other people thought of him. He wasn't intimidated by what they could do to him. So he yelled out, Stop! Stop! In the name of Jesus, stop! But no one could hear him above the roar of the crowd. So he ran down the aisle to the the barrier that separated the roaring crowd from the gladiators. And again he yelled, stop, stop, in the name of Jesus, stop. But still no one took any notice of him. So he jumped over the barriers, ran onto the floor of the Colosseum, stood between the two gladiators and yelled, stop, stop, in the name of Jesus, stop. But the gladiators ignored the monk's plea and took their swords and ran it through the body of the monk. As the monk fell to the ground, dead, silence fell over the crowd. And in that stilled, stunned silence, one man in the back row stood up left his seat, walked down the aisle of the Colosseum, and left. And then another followed him, and then another, and then another, until eventually Caesar himself stood and walked out. That was the last gladiator fight in Rome's Colosseum. The end of brutality and death because one man overcame a spirit of timidity because he was moved by the spirit of love. And then lastly, we need self-discipline. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Self-discipline to ensure that we have that support group That's praying for us and helping us to fan into flame the gift of God. Self-disciplined enough to ensure we have time to minister, to speak to our work colleagues, to to speak to our friends at school. But most importantly, self-disciplined enough to spend time with God. Because ultimately it's God who would deliver us from a spirit of timidity and give us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. So for this new year, 2020, let's not be gripped and held back by a spirit of timidity, but let's be overcome by a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, and let's go and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we confess that so often we're inspired to do such good things for you, but yet so often we are held back by a spirit of timidity. Father, we confess that so often we are, are fearful of what other people might think of us, what they might say. We're fearful that we might not be good enough, that we might fail. But Father, we want to thank you that you do not give us a spirit of timidity, But you give us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. And Father, we pray right now by your Holy Spirit, you would anoint us afresh, that you would remove any timidity, any fearfulness in our hearts, and you would pour your Holy Spirit in its place. Your Holy Spirit that gives us power and strength. Your Holy Spirit that moves us with the power of love and gives us self-discipline. And Father, we pray that you would bless us, that we would be able to go out and go forward into the new year and the new decade, trusting in your power and your love to make a difference for your kingdom. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at